The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to another World Junior Championships podcast. Today, I'm not joined by Anton Rossegård, who is unavailable in Sweden, but I'm joined by Jared Book. Thank you, Jared, and, and to you and to everyone else. Uh, what we say in Sweden is happy continuation of, of the last days of the, few, of, of the years. Um, I hope you had a good holiday season. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit different this year uh, for most people in in North America, or especially in in Quebec, um, where where I am, obviously, uh, not seeing family in person, uh, doing kind of like uh, drive by Christmas uh, drop offs uh, and and ways. But no, it, it, as far as things can go, uh, can't cannot complain. Um, you know, I hope everybody had a had a good uh, good holiday and. For me, you know, different, but uh, considering what it could have been, um, no, no complaints on my side. And and there's hockey to talk about, so that's that's a positive too. And uh, we're just getting started because usually this is the middle of the NHL season. Uh, it, it's kind of weird to go from uh, World Juniors to training camp, but that's that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah, we can we can just pretend this is the World Cup because that normally comes before <laughs> the NHL season. Yeah. Um, or or lockout. There's a lockout again. Yeah. Uh, it's um, it, the World Champion Junior Championship has started. Obviously, the first two days has been um, spoken about big wins, and is the format uh, the wrong kind of format? Should anything change? Um, this is obviously mentioned much uh, in the way that um, Canada beat Germany sixteen to two, and eleven beat Austria. Uh, USA beat Austria eleven to nil. Cautiously. Forgetting something that Sweden beat the Czechs with seven to one, that is also kind of a big score, and and trying to divide these countries, the old club countries, in in some ways to one group and the new countries in another, and and they can sort out the relegation, and we can just have this as a training facility, more or less. I don't like this. I, I like this kind of of the group stage where we have now, and it's important, like one or two teams can maybe focus on one or two games in order to to prevent going to the relegation round but there's always an upset here and there and and speaking about upset there was one last night so so yeah you know the Czechs that were outplayed by Sweden um beat the Russians 2-0 so yeah it's it's I don't really see it and we know that other teams have struggled as well um uh, and and in some ways, this is a different year. You can't draw a conclusion from this year only because of the COVID situation and that has really forced Germany into a really bad spot. Yeah, absolutely. And let me just say, you know, I'm, I'm used to this kind of discussion because I cover women's hockey. And and women's, women's hockey has this discussion all the time. And they split the groups up, right? That, that's what they did. And obviously the gap in women's hockey is a lot bigger than the gap 
at this World Juniors. And, and there's a reason for this. Look, Germany, not only did they only have 14 skaters, and you mentioned the COVID situation, that, that's part of it. They don't have Moritz Seider. They don't have uh, Reichel. They don't have their projected starting goaltender. This is a team that isn't there at their best. And on top of that, they have 14 skaters and have to play on back-to-back days. It's the 16-2. to two, it, That's not the German team. They could go out um, on, on Monday and beat Slovakia. For, for all we know, there's, it's just, it, this tournament, like you said, is an anomaly. You know, teams have been played in, in months in some cases, so, you know, they hardly played together. Uh, some didn't even have pre-tournament games. It, it's just such a weird tournament that I don't think drawing any sweeping conclusions does any good. And it's also and, the and, fact and the, the, these are kids. When something goes against them, they they they're not that interested anymore. I mean, we can tell they are, you know, semi-professionals and whatnot. But we all know that when something went against you as a kid, you sort of lost interest in it. And and you know, when you're eight nil down, it doesn't matter for you if you're eleven nil down or sixteen two down or something like that. It doesn't matter. You just want to play off and get out of there. Yeah, and the thing is, is that you know, where do you draw the line? Right. Let, let's let's say you 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 keep it at ten teams, and when when the um, when the soccer World Cup extended to uh, thirty two teams, they had big blowouts too. Uh, you know, it's it, this tournament at ten teams is kind of awkward. Uh, I think what would limit the blowouts, you know, you know what would limit the blowouts in a regular tournament, have teams get promoted the same year the tournament is played. You know, because if you if, look at Austria, you know, they get promoted, they lose, and it's not just Austria, they lose half their roster. And, you know, the team that won the division last year is not even the same team this year that are worse. And it, it just, I think that's putting teams in a position to fail also. So I, I think there, there's things you can do to to limit the, the disparity a, a little bit. But, you know, if you have 10 teams and you want to split it up five and five, you know, where where do you draw the line, right? Because, you know, if you draw it at five, then you leave out who the the Czechs would be that that six team. If you have yep. you know Canada, Finland, Sweden, uh, USA, Canada, it, it or Russia. I don't know which one I mentioned, but anyway, whichever one I didn't mention before, um, you have those five teams. The Czechs are likely out of that group, and then you know, Switzerland has won bronze medals, has finished fourth in, in years past. Slovakia has had great runs as well. I just feel like doing that doesn't do the other countries justice. You know, I, I think that that this this tournament and the way it's hosted and the way it's promoted already favors Canada to a certain extent. That doing this is just gonna, you know, what what's the point? You know, and and I I don't think that that's the way forward. I really don't. And I mean, it's not like Canada went out and and uh, you know injured a German player or something either in in that sixteen two blowout. Um, uh, it, it wasn't the other way around. Like the Germans took out a bad hit and and took out one of the top scorers or potential top scorers in that game. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't get it either. I think this is good. We need the upsets. I mean, part of of mm-hmm. uh, because for every blowout or every other blowout, there is a bit of an upset, and and yeah. we all need that. And also, with those five teams in the top 
top division or whatever you want to call it, if you split it that way, how would relegation work? How would you promote the top team from the other group or and lower the, the the other the worst team in the top group for next year? I mean, this is it's it's just let's keep it as it is. I like this, um, as I think also. You know, there are two or three games you need to win as as a as a bottom team, and it makes you know maybe the transition easier. Um, I, I like the fact that what you're pointing out that you know. Um, if you play a tournament and you, you you graduate to the top division, you get to play the top division that year. It, it makes it interesting in some ways because partly you already played the tournament with your team, you already gelled together, and that might strengthen your chances to actually stay promoted for next year. Yeah, yeah. and you know it's kind of it's kind of different because let's say because Austria last year they didn't have Marco Rossi on their team, and then they have him this year, but. Imagine if it was the other way around. Imagine if they were promoted because of Marco Rossi or Germany's case, uh, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, right? Um, get promoted the next year because they're in the NHL or they, they don't want to play. Um, they, they don't get to play with them. And then they get, you know, into the, into the other, um, they get relegated. I, I just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And, Let's say you do split the groups. Let's say the Czechs have a really good team one year. Then, you know, instead of having, you know, one or two or three blowout games, you have the Czechs beating up on the other four teams um, every game. So I just, I don't know how you would do it to make it more blowout proof. And it also, I like the intrigue of of the quarterfinal matchups. Because if you look at the tournament this year with beating Russia, um, on on Sunday, that that group is completely up in the air. You know, if the uh, Americans, we all know that Sweden will win every game, so it's fine. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like the, the Sweden is going to be four zero, and then you have, uh, you know, the Americans beat the Czechs, and everyone beats Austria, which is not that far out of the the realm of possibility. Then every team will be two and two between Russia, U.S. and 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 Czechs, and then one of them will have to play Canada or Finland in the quarterfinal, and and that to me is more fun. Than having them all play around robin games and then figure it out in the quarterfinals after like I just I I don't see the the point of it and then you don't have games like yesterday when you know days like Sunday where you had a a, a pretty good game between Sweden and Switzerland uh, it was it was close throughout and and then um, sorry not Sweden Finland Finland, Finland and Switzerland um, you know it was close throughout and then Finland pulled away uh, Canada and, and Slovakia was a great game that probably didn't look like it was going to be on paper. And then uh, the Czech Republic and Russia, you know, if you look at how the Czech Republic played against Sweden and how Russia played against the U.S. and even against Canada, uh, you wouldn't have expected that. And and days like Sunday, for me, make days like Saturday worth it. Indeed. At, at Indeed it does. And, and it, it, it's so complicated and it's easy to sit behind your chair and, and or in, on your chair in front of the TV and just promote different things that just come out and, and don't consider the consequences down the line. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in favor for, for these two groups split evenly or, or as even as it can be. Uh, of course, there will be other opinions and they're entitled to have them and they're entitled to share them, but maybe uh, think a little bit before. And, and as you say, the top team from, you know, the top six, if you, if you mention it like that, uh, 
will obviously destroy some of the other teams and you'll have the blowouts anyway. And and then yeah. then you then you come as well and say, "Oh, this guy was the top scorer in the team, but he played, you know, this team and this team that are the two worst teams in in the whole tournament." So so it, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I I, I think these um, two groups of five split evenly is more interesting. It also gives you this, as you say, fight for the quarterfinal position because no one wants to play the other two top teams in the other group. No, and, and the other way around, you'd much rather play the 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 fourth place team than the the third place team, right? Yeah. If if you're Canada or Finland, you'd much rather you know play the the or the, the fourth rate place team instead of third place team but even this year you don't know how the tiebreakers are going to work if that does happen where every team is two and two so you know it might be that you know for some reason uh because of the uh the, the tiebreaker that that russia is fourth and you know depending on what happens so it'll be very interesting because if if uh if that happens uh, I wouldn't. I would not want to play Russia in the quarterfinal. No one wants to play Russia in the quarterfinal. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't want to play U.S. or, or Czech either. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of fun where you know you have all these, you know, in 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 soccer they they, they play the games at the same time because they don't want people to to game the system uh, when this happens. Uh, but in in this tournament, who knows what's going to happen? Well, so, we're, it, having it, followed it, soccer all my life, I'd be honest, and and I remember that dreadful. I think it was in Italy 90 where Austria played Germany and uh, they kicked the ball. The ball never left the mid-circle more or less for, for 90 minutes because both of them went through uh, with a nil-nil draw. And uh, Tunisia, I think it was, that was uh, left empty. Uh, even if they won, uh, they wouldn't go through even if they had drawn against both the other teams, I think it was. Uh, so, so yeah, they are gaming the system, and every, everyone obviously points to the Denmark-Sweden game finishing 2-2 and Italy going out, and it was the only result that would make both Sweden and Denmark go through. So they, I, I don't say that Sweden-Denmark game was was gamed because Ibrahimovic <laughs> scored a crazy goal in, in overtime there, and, and it was, yeah. But I understand that the Italians see it that way. Um, going over though, we, we're not going to end up uh, remembering all the World Cups that I've seen in football because then we're going to be a whole other episode here. Uh, Spain '82. Just go back and watch Brazil Spain '82. But but after that, um, you can listen to this and you can listen about what we think in regards to the uh, Montreal Canadiens prospects. It's me, Patrick Bexel, joined by Jared Brook for Eyes on the Prize, and we're looking to to the World Juniors because there isn't really a training camp yet and um, we have some more surprises for you coming up before the training camps and before the season starts um, working hard to get you that coverage from from the podcast that you have asked us for so please leave comments leave uh, notes for us on twitter on on facebook and whatnot and we'll try to read it and if we don't get back to you always know that we read it but looking to to the you know Three Canadians prospects that we have on, on the ice in the World Juniors. It's it's let's start with Jan Mishak because he's played two games and he's probably been the most outstanding player of these three guys, right? Yeah, I I I I don't want to say that he's been better necessarily than Cole Caulfield because I think that despite the points, Caulfield has looked really good. But but Mishak has definitely uh, impressed me. He's exceeded my expectations. Uh, obviously, he's he's the main player of that Czech team. He's the captain. You, you expect some things from him, but I really like his play 
uh, with and without the puck. And uh, he he will definitely move up in my top twenty five under twenty five next year. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I I think what what has impressed me uh, the most, and and I'm I'm just looking a little bit on on the stats that I've seen from from uh, the Sweden game. Obviously, he had he created four scoring chances against Sweden. Um, he was not really involved in the zone exit strategy. That was more on his other t- uh, line mates, Land and Tepley. Um, but he had four controlled zone entries versus Sweden, and he. But but what you have to remember, he is a playing center in this line, and we're not sure that that's what's going. He going to do in the NHL down the line. But he is really more effective in rushes and with the puck, and and Tepley has been very very selfish when it comes to it. Um, uh, he. He Mishak has also defended very well. There is a um, guy that you could, should follow um, on Twitter, and his name is Peter Malina X P Malina in, uh, and he does advanced stats for for uh, uh, the Russians or, or not for the Russians, but focusing on the Russian side of of, of hockey. And um, he has this great clip where where Mishak plays defender. Uh, Coming out on on Monday morning, yeah, European time, uh, really showcases the effort that Mishak has put in as a captain. As you say, he plays for his ta- teammates, he plays for his team, he sacrifices himself, he sacrifices his offensive output. Really, he plays on a line where Tepley keeps the puck a lot and slows the game down, whereas Mishak wants to play at a faster pace, move the puck, move the legs forward etc etc so I think you know I'm impressed also with Mishak and and maybe more as a team player than 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 and a leader again we're speaking about this that we have spoken with uh, about Bergevin's choices character players players that will sacrifice themselves for the team players that will lead from the front line players that will come in early leave late and and show that they are made of the right stuff more or less to, to and in a way you when you choose players like this in the draft, what you you, you maximize the, the potential of these guys because you know they're not gonna quit and they're not living on only their skill for the time being. Um, so so um, it's it's inter- interesting. For me the main thing is that it's uh, Tepley that runs the power play and they're not using Mishak and Mishak is not really good at this either. Uh, sometimes he stands in front of the net presence, he stands to the side, and he stands behind the net. But he can't really understand when he does what. And that is the main thing. It's a small negative thing. But it's the neg- only negative thing that I've found on Mishak's play so far. I'm very impressed with him. But it also makes me wonder, what can he do on the power play when he plays at this level? Yeah, you know, one thing that sticks out when, when you look at Mishak and uh, even even uh, you know Cole Caulfield a little bit when we talk about him, but with Mishak, what it, what's evident to me is that on the power play, he wants to have the puck all the time, and, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, of Martin Rivai um, uh, when, when he played for Slovakia. They're, they're very different players, but but in terms of wanting to control the puck on the power play, uh, I, I really feel like. Especially against Slovakia in the pre-tournament game, uh, even against Sweden on the power play, 
he, he likes to have the puck on that half wall and and really control it, look for the passing lanes. He's he's calling for the puck. And and, and I feel like that's really where he he thrives a little bit. Uh, when he's closer to the net, I don't necessarily see him as uh, a shooter necessarily. Um, obviously, that's where he scored his goal on the power play, but against Sweden. But you know, it, it's fun to to watch him want the puck and control the puck, and and that's really uh, fun for me. But you mentioned all the other things that he does. You know, defensively, you know, sacrificing his offensive output for for the betterment of the team. That's why it's so hard to judge players on points. And we're, we'll get into this, I think, a little bit when we talk about uh, a certain American. Uh, but, you know, I, I just feel like there's so much that you can look at when you watch these players, especially for, for people who don't watch them all the time. And, and you can really see a lot of, of what these players bring to the ice without just looking at a, a box score uh, afterwards. And and that's that's something that I've enjoyed doing with, with Meshach, somebody who I haven't necessarily watched that much. Obviously, you know, being drafted this year, you have a little different eye on him. Uh, there's no development camp, so you know usually that's that's the place where I I see a lot of the prospects for the first time um, in person, and so it, it's it's hard to kind of get get that feel for players. But uh, I, I, I he's he's exceeded my expectations going into it for sure. I think also you need to remember when you're looking at Mishak and Tefli, um, actually Pitlake is probably a better player to play with Tefli, but then you lose maybe that offensive output that you could get from Mishak even if he sacrifices himself but to me it seems like Mishak wants to play with speed he wants to play with control whereas uh, Tefli slows the game down he wants to control the puck by himself not that the team controls the puck but he wants to control the puck himself and that really cancels out. They cancel each other out I don't think they are the perfect fit I understand why the Czechs have, have make the line that way because they want that top line to be able to perform but we saw as soon as Tepley was gassed out against Sweden the whole line fell through it wasn't really an intention but what ended up happening was that they sort of fell into the trap that okay Mishak is strong he can work against Holtz and Raymond and and uh, that way Tepley won't you know slow the game down because they probably won't have the puck anyway but but that's part of it it, it, it it's not the optimal fit, Tepley and Mishak, but I can see why they're doing it. And that's also what, you know, Tepley controls on the half wall, on the power play quite a lot. And, and Mishak gets the other role. Uh, again, he sacrifices himself for the better of the team. And, and this is, you know, as an 18-year-old looking for this um, and, and, and performing at this level, already doing all these things is very, very good. It's something I'm, I'm not still convinced that he's going to be a center. I'm not convinced about his power play skills yet. But yeah, as you say, he's he's also performed at a much higher level than I expected from Mishak this year. And, and the crazy thing is, when, when you look at Mishak, he's the team captain. You mentioned he's only 18 years old. He, he'll be there at another tournament next year. Um, I don't think he'll be in the NHL. So you know, assuming he's healthy... He'll be there again next year as well for his third tournament at the World Juniors, which uh, doesn't usually happen uh, for a lot of players on these. You know, it happens for players who are, you know, playing for, for Slovakia and things like that because they bring them at 16 a little bit more often. But, you know, for the Czechs, it doesn't usually happen that, that often. Even, you know, countries like Finland, you know, you look at guys like uh, Jesse Poljarvi, 
who, who played at 16. So it, it happens, but very rarely. Um, and then, you know, for him to play a second year, and, and pro- let's face it, if he's captain this year, if he makes the team next year, he'll probably be captain again, uh, depending on what happens. So it, it is it is um, a growth uh, for him. And, you know, like he's, he's still he's still young for this tournament. It, it's not like he's... Uh, a 19-year-old who's you know older than almost everybody else in the tournament, so uh, that that's encouraging as well. And let's face it, uh, both the Slovaks and the Czechs has has gone deep into the the uh, development of players uh, yeah. nationally. So so these two teams will be stronger and stronger the more years that passes. And I think the Czechs will will probably have a a better team next year as well. And we have to admire, we have to mention it obviously his game Mishak's game last night. For who runs, but the Czechs playing the the typical Czechoslovakian in in some ways, because I remember when it was Czechoslovakia. But but uh, th- that kind of collapsing the defense, con- like keeping everyone on the outside, and then these Formula One style accelerations <laughs> and and just counterattacking with such a punch that it's it's difficult to control for for the attacking team. Uh, and and we mentioned it earlier as well that you know the Czechs came in they played a preseason tournament and and Sweden hadn't they hadn't played any games so they were you know mm-hmm. they were unsure about their first period and then Sweden took over but and and the damage was already dealt but but the way that the Czechs play when when they play their brand of hockey it's very difficult to beat uh, obviously <laughs> against Russia there's always the history there and the passion and. And uh, I spoke to my Czech friends, and they asked what we had been saying in the chat, and and I said, yeah, you know, everyone was asking about why does the Czechs always beat Russia, because it feels <laughs> like it. And I was like, yeah, you know, you go into that locker room and say, you remember '68? You don't, but you see the plagues everywhere. You heard your grandparents speak about it. You heard your parents speak about it. So let's go out and beat them. And that's the only that's the only motivation speech <laughs> you need to say. And 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 obviously, uh, it, it still carries with them. There is a reason. For, for everyone that is young enough to not know about it, why uh, Jager chose 68 on his jersey. And, and uh, if, if you don't know about it, go and read up on it because it's history and I'm a history teacher. So I'm going to give you that as a <laughs> home exam. Homework, homework yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, think, you think you're lucky if you're listening to this podcast, you're not in school, you don't have any work to do. Uh, well, just wait, Patrick's here to, to assign some homework for you. Yeah, don't don't worry. My kids in school gets even worse assignments. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. But but looking forward, uh, I'm going to jump into to Goulet, uh, who's played and and he opened the scoring for Canada in in the first game. <laughs> A little he, bit surprising. He, he, he scored the most important goal in that Germany game. Uh, yeah. Did Keaton Gouley. No, yeah. I, I I mentioned Mishak was exceeding my expectations. Gouley scoring a goal at this tournament exceeded my expectations. Um, offensively for him. So, um, yeah, you know, he, he's, it, it's kind of funny because we didn't, again, we didn't, we didn't really know what to expect with a guy like Gooley. A, because for most of the season, the Canadians were going to be drafting in the top 10. So it wasn't, we weren't looking at prospects that were kind of in that middle of the first round. We were looking at what was a, a very good top 10 uh, in, in terms of, of players available. And then, you know, the Canadians obviously had a great playoff. They they made it to the playoffs. They 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 moved down in the draft, and then you know the talk was about the the forwards, and then they picked the defense and and it, all all those things were just like okay, I guess it's um, 
it's a good it's a good pick, whatever. And it wasn't exciting as a selection, that that's for sure. But the more that I looked into Gooley as a player, the more I'm like, wait, there's something here. And everything that we've seen since World Junior Camp opened has kind of been that, you know, great skating, uh, awareness. And, you know, the, the thing that's fascinating for me is that he's the youngest defender on Team Canada. He is the, and he's being used in a shutdown role, which seems, which is against what Hockey Canada usually does because they have that top pairing of Byram and Drysdale, two very high first round picks. And, both have experienced at this tournament, and they're using them as kind of this offensive pairing, and then they're using uh, Gooley and, and Justin Barron as the shutdown pair, and then you look into a little bit more of the the uh, the statistics of of uh, you know zone entries and 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 things like that, and you see that's where Gooley really shines, and and Mitch Brown tracks that. Um, for for the tournament and for, former you know, eyes on the prize uh, rider yeah, Mitch Brown yeah, ex exactly and 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 the, the the funny thing is for Gooley is that he he the, Andre Torini is the, the Canada's coach is really relying on him you know in, in a close game against Slovakia in the third period he played just under eight minutes uh, of ice time and, and that to me says a lot about what kind of player Caden Gooley is. And you mentioned about character and, and things like that, about uh, about Meshach and the Canadians drafting. Gooley is, has that as well. And I, I don't want to make any comparisons to, to the specific players, but he is going to be a very good NHL player. He, he's, I, I talk about Meshach impressed me. Gooley has really impressed me uh, as an 18-year-old in this tournament and, and what he's done. Obviously not the greatest competition uh, in, in Germany and, and Slovakia, let's, let's be honest here. But uh, I think that he's somebody who's going to uh, be a very good uh, professional player. And let's remember, Gula will probably play next year's tournament as well. Yeah, so, he so, will. Yeah. So there is this, uh, you know, you build for the future. Uh, we're looking at Sweden. This is the first time in I don't know how many years that Sweden doesn't have a player that will be able to participate next year as well. Uh, I think Wallstedt might be the goalie. But that's about it, and, and all the other skaters are not uh, will not be able to participate. And normally, you have these kind of players that has been part of the team that will be able to play next year, that that has learned from the experience. And we, we mentioned Romanov, uh, how how he went in as a leader the second year around, and and all this that you know you have this, and Gula will probably be that kind of leader that Canada looks to for next year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's not that many people who can play next year for on this Canada team. There's no, there's no draft eligible players. Uh, Taylor Gochi is is draft eligible because he hasn't been drafted yet, but he's been through the draft uh, before. So you you look at you know there's there's two there's three players who were born in 2002 on this Canada team. Uh, Cole Perfetti, who literally uh, I think he turns uh, his birthday is New Year's, um, New Year's Day. So there's him. There's Quinton Byfield. I, I don't. I don't know if Quinton Byfield will be at the tournament next year. Uh, this is already his third tournament. He's the, he's the youngest player on Team Canada for the second year in a row. I, he's not going to play in the NHL this year. I, I'm pretty sure. But next year he might be in the NHL at this point. So who knows what, what's going to happen with him? But Gooley, I, I think, is is pretty much a lock to be uh, back in junior next year and to to be a major part of this Canadian team. Yeah, and Brad Lambert is, is already playing for Finland, so you can't really poach yeah. him either. 
No, yeah, exactly. You know, the, he'll, he'll play for Finland, and everyone will talk about how his parents were from uh, Saskatchewan, or, or sorry, his dad, anyway. Sorry, his his mom is is Finnish, obviously. Yeah, and uh, well, he speaks fluent Finnish. That's the most important thing because it's one <laughs> of the most difficult languages to learn, I think. Uh, at least trying to to read out some of the names, so I'm, I'm always struggling with it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Gurle has really impressed as well. Uh, that shutdown role. Uh, we know everyone was talking about his offense, and maybe you know yeah. you build from the back end. You, you make sure that you got everything covered. His size and his skating is obviously benefiting Canada as a defensive role player, and um, it's. I, I think it's really good that he gets that role even against the weaker teams in that group uh, so he can learn to do it properly for the quarterfinals and 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 further deeper into the tournament. Yeah, you know, it's so hard to judge, especially in the group that Canada and Finland are in, because it's, they're pretty much just, they, they know they're going to be in the top four. There's no question about it. They're they gonna know they're going to be four. in the top two. Yeah, they're, they're going to be in the top two unless something goes catastrophically wrong. Even if they do lose a game, they're probably still going to be second in the group. Like, they're not going to lose two games. So, you know, the, the, for, for teams like Canada, who they only have, what, five players who played a game this season before this tournament, it, it, this round robin is essentially like exhibition games. You know, it, it's to prepare them for the quarterfinal. The, and, you know, Finland played obviously a little bit more. Their league is going on or at least was going on uh, before um, they left for the World Juniors. So there, there's a little bit more uh, game action, but they still have to quarantine and you know spend a, a lot of days off the ice. So you know, for, for those two teams in particular, they're, they're just getting ready for the quarterfinal. But, and you know, the, the games, obviously Slovakia was a lot closer than a lot of people probably expected. But yeah, you know, Gouli is, is a guy who's probably going to improve as the, as, the, as the tournament goes on. As he gets used to the role, as he used to gets used to the the muscle memory that comes with playing against real opponents, as opposed to pre-tournament games or just skating on your own. And so, yeah. But the first two games have been really good, and and, and I think that a lot of the uh, question marks about did the Montreal Canadiens make a, a good selection or should they have gone for one of the forwards? Um, you know, some of the forwards that they talked about taking in that spot, including the eyes on the prize mock draft pick. Uh, are not even in uh, the tournament. They didn't make Team Canada, and Gouley did. So just him being there is, is notable. Uh, for him being trusted in a big role like he is, is even more notable. Uh, and and I think that that's something that's that's going to be very um, interesting going forward. But I, I personally, I've seen enough. He's he's a, he's a top defender prospect, and the Canadians have a lot of defense prospects uh, right now. They you know they, they have. Uh, Romanov, they have Norlander, they have uh, Jaden Struble, they have uh, Jordan Harris. Gouli kind of fits right in, and there's not, you know, in a perfect world, there might not even be room for all of them. But you know, th- there's definitely uh, an emphasis on on defense, and and Gouli fits right into that group. You'd rather have too many than too few, though. So so it's oh, all good, good good in that <laughs> regard. We we know yeah. the how we were sitting with the center uh, situation a couple of years <laughs> ago, and also defensive situation a couple of years ago, and now we're yeah. we're stocked in both departments more or less. Um, Looking though, the, the big uh, e- even on the website and and especially on Twitter where everything is either black or white, uh, <laughs> uh, we have the I shouldn't say conundrum that is Cole Caulfield, but but let's face it, Cole Caulfield hasn't scored and everyone is panicking uh, to left right. Uh, not everyone, but a, a lot of people are panicking left, right, and center. <laughs> and 
first and foremost, there is a lot of NHL players that didn't have good World Junior Championships. That's that's if that depended on the usage by the coach or 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 themselves, doesn't matter. Some players that are all uh, Hall of Famers didn't even participate in the World Junior Championships, like Daniel Alfredson, who lives just down the road. Uh, but this is really, you know, taking it to the extreme. Uh, you have more on, on, on Cowfield, but I'm not worried from what I've seen. He's putting the work in. He's delivering passes. He's, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He hasn't really been put in the position to succeed, though. It's, it's kind of remarkable that we're talking about this again for the second year in a row. But listen, besides Trevor Zegras um, on Team USA and maybe Alex Turcotte as well, that there isn't a, a U.S. player who's been better than Cole Caulfield. Just just watching the games, he has been so good against Austria. He didn't have a point. He hit two goal posts. Uh, he set up a teammate for a, a third chance. Uh, that that he the, the 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 teammate missed a net. It was him who, if you look at Matthew Boldy's uh, goal where it was a two on one with Beniers, you can see why they they got that two on one chance. It's because literally every defender on Austria was looking at Caulfield at the red line, allowing Boldy and Beniers to go behind everybody else and get that chance. It's just, it doesn't make any, like, people who are complaining about Cole Caulfield's performance are just doing it because they're not watching the games. And I don't want to be like all this, like, oh, you know, I know, you know, advanced stats or anything like that. I'm not even talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about pure eye test. And there's nothing that I'm seeing in Cole Caulfield that makes me worried. Nothing at all. Yeah, and first and foremost, you have a very small sample size. Even if there's a lot of goals that have been scored, yeah. there is a small sample size. They're two games. And also, it's not the two most important games of the tournament, is it? Yeah. So, so let's face it. Be relaxed. Look at what, what happens. Obviously, the game against Russia was, was very important or important mm-hmm. in, enough to... to be sure of the seeding in the group. But on the other hand, that's where he had his assist. Everyone is panicking because he didn't score <laughs> once in a 16-2 blowout. And, and let's be honest. 11 nothing. 11 nothing. 11 nothing. yeah. But let's be honest. And again, if you are a kid at that level, obviously you want to score, but also you don't want to get injured. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. You don't want to cause a problem to yourself because the tournament is short and very... Um, intensive in, in the game selection. I mean, like, there are two games, you have a day off, and then there's two games again, more or less. And this is yeah. what you need to prepare yourself for. So, you know, if you're 8-0 eight, eight up or 6-0 up and you know you're going to win, would you go in with 100%? Probably not. I wouldn't. I, I want to be 100% for the quarterfinal, for the semifinal, and for the final, so I can hoist that trophy. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because... In that Russia game, who was the player that they promoted onto that top line with Zegers and Turcotte? It was Cole Caulfield. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, look at, you look at the pre-tournament game against Finland. Who turned that game around for the U.S.? It was Cole Caulfield with two goals on the same shift. You know, it's, it's funny how people freak out about um, not scoring in an 11-0 game, but they completely forget about the two games where he performed insanely well. And, and, Especially know, it's, when it's better teams that he's facing. Right. And he hit, he hit two posts against Austria. 
Like, let's not act like he didn't do anything. He he hit two posts. He he set up a teammate with a great cross ice pass, um, and, and the the teammate missed the net. It, it's it's you know uh, it's not you don't have to look hard to see things that Cole Caulfield does well. Like it's not like we're grasping at straws here to say what what he did well. You know, it, it's just if you watch the games, there's there's nothing to worry about with Cole Caulfield. And also, and, and let's remember just, the, yeah. the 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 fantastic interview that Mark Dumont did for, for the uh, podcast uh, that Montreal Canadiens puts out themselves nowadays, uh, where uh, I, I seriously don't know when I saw David Saint-Louis that excited in, in, in our Slack chat uh, <laughs> after having listened to that interview, because he was like, a guy this, this young should not be able to speak about these subjects in this way. He's such a fantastic player. He has such a fantastic understanding of the game. I'm, and if David yeah. isn't worried, I'm not worried. You know, when David no. starts to worry, I'm going to worry. Like, but before that, I'm not. And if, also, if you haven't listened to that podcast, go over there and listen to it. Uh, unfortunately, one of them is in French, I think, so I can't understand it. But but the, the Cole Caulfield one is is great. And uh, yeah, it's it's our old boss as well, Jared. So we have to promote him, right? <laughs> yeah, no, he's he does. He, this is like his wheelhouse. This is like the perfect thing for him to do. But yeah, you know. It's we talk about with Meshack putting putting players in in positions to succeed, you know Cole Caulfield being the the bumper on the power play, the guy the guy in front of the net, that's not what he should be doing. Like he's a guy who who should be on the half wall controlling the play. He's probably a better power play quarterback than Cam York is, and, and you know worst case he has a better shot. Right. So so if you deliver the pass to him in his wheelhouse, it's going to end up in the net anyway. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Is they, I I don't you know the U.S. power play improved as soon as they put him onto the half wall against Finland, and, and I just feel like that's where he should be. But uh, again, I, I, there's nothing to see on the ice that worries me about Cole Caulfield. So, you know, yes, you would like to see him scoring. That would be ideal. But uh, I'm not I'm not worried at all. I, I'm really not. And uh, with that, we're gonna try to finish this podcast in, in a good way but um, there are a few games coming up today that that might be of interest uh we have austria sweden which is not really that but uh we do <laughs> uh, we do have uh, slovakia and germany and that will be a very interesting game uh, i think i think it will be yeah. uh, uh, it can end either way actually to be honest um <laughs> slovakia is 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 on the rise as i mentioned then obviously Tomorrow there will be a USA, or is it tonight as well? No, it, tomorrow. There's uh, only two games today. Yeah, uh, it is USA versus Czech Republic. It's Mishak versus Cowfield. This is where Cowfield should really shine. Uh, small areas to work in, uh, areas close to the net, and, and where he can release is his deadly shot. Obviously, Mishak will be there to cover him, and, and it would be <laughs> great to hear from, from either player uh, after the game about what they thought about the other. But we, we hope we can't really provide that because we don't have the access. But uh, look for others and we'll be back with a podcast later this week in regards to the future developments of the World Junior Championships. I'm Patrick Bexel. I've been here with Jared Brook. And thank you very much, Jared, again, to, to take this time. Uh, please subscribe. Please listen to, to this more than once. Uh, and also, always leave feedback. I promise you we're leading, uh, reading it and, and even if we don't get back to you. Thank you guys for listening. Stay safe. Happy New Year.